It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're gonna lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game, this is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. All right, Sandy Rios coming to you live from the Rosen Shingles Hotel in Orlando. And, of course, the whole world is watching what's happening in Ukraine and Russia. And I have to say a few words about it before we start. I think the most important thing I'd like to share in a few minutes is just we need to pray for the Ukrainian people. As we see them massively leaving their country, you know, trying to defend it with Molotov cocktails and the few rifles that we have. And really, we see the whole world kind of deserting them. NATO doing very little. The Us, the Americans, you know, flapping, sending mean tweets, but really doing nothing. It's really, it's really sad. And uh, we're watching, you know, as China is... Uh, now sending flights over Taiwan, sort of threatening flights. And so the world is ever more threatening as we speak this morning. So I don't want to be flip about that before we get into what we're doing today, because what we're doing at CPAC is important stuff. This is CPAC 2022, and our, our theme is Awake, Not Awoke. We're doing Awake, Not Woke. Uh, and we're doing some very important things. So please don't think that we are not soberly regarding what's happening in the world as we talk about other things. So sitting across from me, Match Lap has been with me so many times on the air, and you know that he's a good friend, but you don't know that Mercedes is also a good friend. Mercedes Schlapp is Matt's wife. And Mercedes, now I've lost your... I do know about... I guess I don't need a sheet to tell you, but I know about... Uh, Mercedes was the communications, uh, in charge of communications for the Trump White House, and for the uh, campaign later. And uh, she and Matt have been married a number of years, and Mercedes has been as actively involved in the political scene as Matt. And you often say that behind every... uh, They say, someone once said, behind every great man is a great woman. And in this case, it is really true with Mercedes. Mercedes has her own story. She's Latina. They have, is it four? Five. Five five beautiful (laughs) daughters. And uh, they just together have created this wonderful family that I've had the benefit of uh, sharing their hospitality. So, Mercedes... You are central to what's happening. What are you doing today on stage? Well, today I'll be moderating some of the panels. Um, We're starting off with Tito Ortiz, who is a UFC martial uh, arts uh, fighter. And uh, just, you know, we're going to be also, I'm talking to Jim Banks, who's the chairman of the Republican Study Committee, one of the congressmen, great congressmen. And and so we have wonderful speakers today, including uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. I think that's going to be one of the speeches to watch today, Sandy, as I'm sure he's going to be able to spell out what is happening in Russia right. and Ukraine. I mean, right. I, w- along with you, while we're here at CPAC, there's no question that so much of this conversation is uh, what is happening in that region. I just spoke to a Ukrainian who uh, uh, is here, very supportive of CPAC. He said he was talking to his family yet last night and that his family was hearing the bombs, that they knew that the Russians have taken over and looking to take over one of the airports in the area. And look, this is swift, aggressive action by Putin. He knows there's an opening. He knows there's a weakness happening right now in uh, the international stage. And he's taking full advantage of the Biden weak 
presidency. Yet, Sandy, you have the Daily Beast with an article saying, well, don't blame Biden for the Russia-Ukraine escalation. Who do they want us to blame? Ru- uh, t- oh, Trump. yes, Trump. President Trump, yes. of course. Exactly. <laughs> How could I forget that? It's not funny. And they have they are playing politics. And I haven't actually talked about Russia too much, Mercedes, because they've talked. It's been so much talk for weeks and it's blah, 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 blah. And I just don't have patience with that. But they have by their just blah, blah, not really doing anything, created a very, very dangerous situation. And it reminds me very much. I I lived in Berlin, Germany uh, when I was a young adult, very, very young, just a guy. I was 21. And um, I don't need to tell you that that was the center. That was after World War II. The the wall was still up, and uh, the the history of what happened in Berlin uh, when the Russians were coming in, because the Americans decided not to go in. They would let Russia take Berlin, which was the center of everything. That's right. All the Nazis, the the German people were frightened out of their minds because of the, they knew of the brutality of the Russians. Well, and Sandy, remember, it's the Russians. They're the ones that hold so much of the power of the energy production piece of this oh, yes. in Europe. So let's just think about that. I mean, the Russians are, uh, the Europeans are in a also in a weakened position because they've relied on Russia for their natural gas. I mean, this is where we are right now. This is what has been set up. And all of a sudden, we're scrambling. The NATO allies are scrambling. Biden is scrambling to figure out how, oh, let's put some economic sanctions. Just a New York Times story today is talking about how the Chinese, that get this, I couldn't believe when I read this. They, Biden and the, the Biden administration handed over intelligence to the Chinese that the Russians were building up troops in the, on the Ukrainian-Russian border. Guess what China did? Just guess. I can't imagine. Shared it with the Moscow officials. Oh, God. This is Are so we that stupid. dumb? Are, they, Are we uh, that yes. dumb? Yes. Well, I think dumb and wicked, yes. you know, uh, equal parts of both. And so, and then the other part of this is uh, with our energy, and I don't need to tell you, I'm talking to the choir here, you know all about this. Our energy has been all shut down. The pipelines, we, are, we can't produce because of Biden's administration. Now, this is happening in Russia. President Biden helped the Nord Stream pipeline. And so Russia's this big power when it comes to energy. But second to that, the Biden administration has been negotiating with Iran. And now right. the Iranians are going to start oh, yes, producing right. oil. So they're all being elevated while we right. are sinking into the abyss. In the it's name of climate change as a leftist oh, yeah. religion, in oh. the name of subsidizing all these uh, renewable resources, which we need, but the reality is we still need fossil fuel, we still need fracking, we still need our natural gas in order to make sure that we stay energy independent, because being energy independent is part of a national security strategy. And the Biden administration has abandoned that because of the left and their obsession with climate change. Did you hear John Kerry's remark? He said, you've been so busy. I had trouble keeping up too while we're busy here, but John Kerry said something about um, he hoped that the Ukrainian invasion wouldn't interrupt uh, the focus on climate change because that is more important than what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. What's more important are these lives that are going to be lost, the thousands of lives of Ukrainian lives that are going to be lost. In in talking with an individual yesterday, he said that there was a 79-year-old, think about this, 79-year-old doctor in Ukraine who went back to serve in the Ukrainian army to help them. They're, they are. They love their country. They don't want to lose their country in the hands of the Russians. So when we're talking about thousands of lives being lost, a nation being lost, because in, the, in, in Putin's mind, he owns Ukraine and he believes Ukraine shouldn't exist. This is something that Americans can't even fathom. And I and I can't. I keep. You know, when you learn about history and world history, this is how 
massive wars are created. It doesn't stop with Russia. He is not going to stop at Ukraine. And if we don't wake up, I, I mean, it puts us into a lot of trouble. Mercedes, there's the music. Now, where, what were all those other things I wanted to talk to you about? <laughs> but it's it's really great to talk to you, and you're a serious pundit, and it's kind of nice to talk. Have chick pundits. I love it. Other. I love it too. So, <laughs> uh, your your own past, I wanted to get into because your family was Cuban, and so you know about freedom. You have a passion for it, and I'm sure that's helped Matt in his expand his own understanding of uh, your own family history. So, you are a great asset to this country, and of course to Matt, by the way. And you are too, yeah. Sandy. We're Thank so you. blessed. Thank you, Mercedes Schlapp, and this is CPAC 2022. We'll be right back. Thank you, Mercedes. Sandy Rios in the morning. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Amy Coney Barrett, Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. She is a former circuit judge as well as a former law school professor. Psalm 106.3 reminds us of the importance of justice. Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Amy Coney Barrett as she serves on the United States Supreme Court. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. When deciding where to pursue your career goals, you want a university that you can trust that offers a world-class education with the values, knowledge, and skills you need to succeed. That place is Liberty University, and now is the perfect time to start. Liberty is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ, a mission that has not wavered since it opened in 1971. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. You can add bird watching to the latest list of all things racist and symbolic of white supremacy. The Washington Post published an expansive report on the racist legacy of the Audubon Society and the birding community at large. They say some birds are named after former slave owners and white supremacists. Corinna Newsom is a black ornithologist, and her life's mission is to break down racial barriers and defeat racism in the birding community. 
The National Audubon Society is also facing the wrath of the cancel culture crowd ruffling feathers because the founder owned slaves. John James Audubon has been dead for 170 years, so it's unclear why this has suddenly become an issue. Miss Newsom says she was troubled because she once had to wear a work shirt that bore Audubon's name. You know, it sounds to me like the Audubon Society is dealing with an infestation of dodo birds, loons, and bird brains. I'm Todd Stearns. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios, back with you. So many people and so many conversations about important things in so little time. Uh, we are at uh, Rosen Shingles Hotel at 2022 CPAC, and it's always a privilege. Always, always. I've been doing this, I think, I don't know how many years they've been doing it. Probably about as many years as they've been doing it. It's nice to be in free Florida, though, I have to say. And Governor Ron DeSantis welcomed the crowd, the rousing crowd yesterday to Florida, which was free. And he made a joke about how, you know, all these shutdown governors were caught down here on the beaches of Florida and many of the officials. So uh, Governor Scott Walker, who's former governor, Scott Walker of Wisconsin, he should still be governor of Wisconsin, is sitting across from me. How are you? I'm great. Good to be with you this morning. So did you come, did you sneak down to get some freedom in Florida? Well, I was, I've been down here many times since the beginning. I didn't sneak. I, I broadcasted. I said, hey, I love that we had our first Freedom Conference last year in Miami. And I said we specifically had it for Young America's Foundation there for two reasons, actually. One, because thanks to Ron DeSantis, it was open. Yeah. And two, we did it in Miami particular because we wanted kids to hear from, from folks who have Cuban-American ancestry to talk about the what communism and socialism is all about. You can talk about it from your head, which is important logically. But talking about it from your heart is even better. Absolutely. I, you know, I just talked to Mercedes Schlapp, and of course yeah. her family's Cuban. We didn't get to have time to get into her story, but I know that's her story, and that's yeah. why she has such a passion for freedom. It's why Marco Rubio uh, initially, sure. I will, with a caveat, he was very passionate. And um, I didn't say that you were president of Young America's Foundation, and I need to do that yeah. because that's how you spend your time. But I want to go to the Latino part of that yeah. before we get off of that because I just heard yesterday Salem... It, I don't know if this is inside information. <laughs> I might be. Maybe I better be quiet. Let's just say there's there's moves to reach the Latino community in yes. very effective ways. Yes. I better watch what I say. <laughs> uh, but um, what is your feel for that? I, I know... You have a lot of Latinos in Wisconsin. Well, and we see it across the country. Mm-hmm. When I travel, not only in my home state of Wisconsin, but I see it all over the place. Uh, in fact, look, last year, one of the telling signs, the precursor even to Virginia, uh, was in Texas. Two big races there, one in a city that was overwhelmingly a majority Hispanic district and uh, or city, and the mayor's election was won by a Republican. Uh, I just think it's one of those where one of the great things Donald Trump did that the media, by and large, missed was reach out and make connections, not only Hispanic, but even to black voters, right. uh, in ways that Republicans hadn't uh, probably since Ronald Reagan. And this is having a ripple effect, and I think we'll have a big impact come this November. Yeah, I think you're right. Let's talk Wisconsin, though. Because, yeah. you know, Wisconsin's like a second home. So I have to ask you, this is a serious question. After that m- murder and the uh, Christmas Day parade in mm. Waukesha, <clears throat> I've talked a lot. I talked to your friend and mine, Terry. Terry, my good friend, whose name I can't remember, in Waukesha County, the head of the Republican oh, yeah, yeah. committee there. Um, how is everything 
there. I know that's your county. Strong community. I live in Waukesha County. My mother literally was watching that parade. She was a block Um, and a half from where that horrible, evil man drove his SUV into the crowd and killed six people. Five who were seniors, grandparents, and uh, one of whom was just a kid, just a small young man, and terrorized not just those six and their families, but but terrorized so many other people in that area. the community's strong. They've come together. That part's been a, just a, a blessing by the grace of God uh, that a strong community came together. But it's a great reminder that things are at stake. That guy was out. He tried to mow down the mother of his child. And that's a classic example of these radical, liberal, oftentimes George Soros-supported district attorneys. In Milwaukee County, this guy was out on $500 or $1,000 cash bail. I mean, just low cash bail. And you still have people like AOC and others across the country pushing for eliminating cash bail. We should be reforming it in the opposite direction. If you're a threat to society, you shouldn't be out on bail at all. Well, of course, that's common sense, but this snuck up on us when George Soros spent so much money getting these horrible prosecutors in place, and people yeah. are beginning to understand that. Let's talk about they this. They are, in fact, one, you know, you've seen a number of, in fact, one of these are uh, one of these prosecutors is under recall. Oh, yes. And I was amazed to see the report. Los Angeles. Or- yes, that the, that the overwhelming majority of people in the prosecutor's union had actually signed the recall petition and were voting against the DA. So that's even amazing. in liberal enclaves. Among prosecutors. Right, well, I think people amazing. are realizing, hey, we do all this work yeah. and we try to keep people safe and then these crazies right. at the top go the opposite direction. And people are getting killed and hurt. It's mm-hmm. just, it's terrible. It's chaos. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk about Wisconsin and elections. Oh, that's yeah. your favorite topic, I'm <laughs> sure. Do you feel like, um, I know a lot of things have been happening. I try to follow that as much as I can. Do you feel comfortable, at least, that Wisconsin has kind of uh, put their finger in the dam of some of the areas they needed to shore up before the 2022 elections? Well, I think they're going to have to go to court because with a Democrat governor, none of these changes aren't going to happen until uh, next year when there's hopefully, uh, God willing, a new Republican governor who actually believes in not just voter integrity, but a lot of other things as well. Um, So before the next presidential, they've got to make some changes. You know, things like even a few years ago we never saw coming, which was Zuckerberg spending this nonprofit money, which is unfortunately completely illegal to put extra help in places like Milwaukee and Madison, where there are high percentage, 70, uh, 30, sometimes 80, 20 Democrat advantage areas. So they were driving the vote up. That's got to stop. Elections should not be funded, uh, you know, one here, one there. They should be By uniform. private entities who are partisan. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. they, and there shouldn't be a, an unfair advantage uh, turning out votes in one part of the state versus another. It should be uniform across the state. But I think we're going to have to go to court to force a number of those things because, for example, absentee ballots. It was uh, no one's challenged the fact that I pointed out that about 200,000 absentee ballots uh, were cast in the state that didn't follow the law. The, and they're simple things. They were things like the law requires you to write, put in written form that you want to have an absentee ballot. In two of the largest counties, the clerks actually handed them out to people at events in the park. That's not legal. Uh, and uh, the other half of them were people filling in things like their addresses by election officials. That's not according to statute either. I don't necessarily blame the voter because they were told by election officials, but those Democrat clerks election officials and otherwise we're telling people are paid for by mark stop. zuckerberg in large part yeah. yeah those things just have to stop you know I, i'm really frustrated i don't know where you are you can just you know you're free to say what you think because yeah. i feel free to say yeah. what i think but i i am uh, appalled really that the republican party by and large the party operatives are so uh, adverse to talking about election fraud election 
they, they, it's like it's their mantra. No, we got to get past that. But if we we can't just leave this thing in chaos in all these states and go into 22 and 2022 and 2024 without fixing things. Well, and we've been working on this for years. I remember in 2000. So think about that. 22 years ago, we saw the smokes yeah. for votes, which was somebody coming I remember in from that. New York that, that brought in uh, and, and paid for cigarettes yeah. for homeless people to vote in the city of Milwaukee. I forgot about that. We exposed that. I was the first author that next year of the photo ID to vote law. A decade later, I signed it as governor. Now we're looking a decade after that, and we've got new things. Because remember, the left is always conniving. They're always coming up with new ways. Uh, we've got to, one, as you mentioned, we, once we put our finger in one spot, we've got to put it in 10 others out there. So to be able to deal with all these things that we care about, we've got to take action. Having said that, I will say that one of the things I think we learned from Virginia is we need to be vigilant, but we can't use that as a reason not to vote. That, oh, that, absolutely. You know, in Georgia, a lot of people said, heck with it, and they stayed home. Mm. We lost. In Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, Winsome Sears, the whole ticket won because Donald Trump was right. He said, flood the system. Right. Go out and get as many people to vote. Yeah, there's going to be problems. We need to fix them. But don't use that as a reason not to vote because too much is at stake. And also, of course, in Virginia, th- I don't know, hundreds. I'll say hundreds. Maybe it's a thousand. I don't know. People train themselves to be workers yeah. in the polls and sort of... Uh, overcame uh, the ability to take, cheat, and do incomplete voting like you just described. Absolutely. And so that's the, the more thing that, eyes you have on what's going on. Yeah. I always say transparency. It's why the left, when you saw it, particularly in Detroit and Philadelphia, remember when the votes were being counted, mm-hmm. they blocked access to people's city. Yeah, I remember that. Transparency is what's required for legitimacy. If things are legitimate, you should let the whole world see. Wasn't that, I was like, a crazy movie, like a sci-fi movie, watching election night in the aftermath of that. Yep. Well, and it's just oh. one of those where, again, but it's, but it's if people care about it, now's the time yeah, to act. Exactly. But it does us no good after the fact. We've got to go and make sure that we prepare, whether it's going to court, whether it's we sign up as volunteers to say, I'll be a, a poll worker, I'll be a poll watcher, right. I'll help out in those ways. Right. We've got to overwhelm the system before, because it's, as you know, and I know, it's almost impossible to deal with after the fact. You've got to deal with it up front and fix it and challenge it and make sure it's as good as you can go going in an election. And then you got to go out and find a million people that you know in your circle of influence to go out and exactly. vote for the right people. That's You're, you're singing my tune. I, I beat that to death. I a lot of my listeners have really did. Well, my, my dad was a hard. pastor, and, and sometimes people say, you preach in the choir. So my dad used to say, you preach to the choir, so the choir will sing. <laughs> yeah, that's so right. Good. Listeners out that's there, right. sing that story, Yeah, right? exactly. And it's working. I yes. mean, I have a lot of listeners in Virginia. They really, yeah. All right, so you have a uh, governor's race coming up. You have a terrible governor. That's my editorial remark. Oh, so, yeah. And uh, you have some... Rebecca Cleefish, who worked with you, yeah. she was your lieutenant governor. She was lieutenant right? governor remember for all years. And then there's a there's a military guy's running whose name I can't remember, but a lot of conservatives are supporting him. And I think you have a couple of other candidates. Yeah, we have. Uh, well, there's a couple more that just got in. Uh, full disclosure: Rebecca Cleefish, you mentioned, worked with me. Uh, I'm 100 percent behind her, but there's other Republicans running. But in the end, Tony Evers is just a horrible governor. I mean, he's just you agree well, with me. Like, he is a horrible governor. Oh my goodness, he's like Joe Biden. He's just not up for the <laughs> yeah, job. Yeah, he he's terrible. And Rebecca, I got to know she, she was uh, on TV uh, exposing years and years ago waste, fraud, and abuse. She then was one of the first public figures in the in the Tea Party movement more than more than a dozen years ago. And I still vividly, just on a personal level, remember. You know, when we had all the rioters and the threats against me and my family, they did the same yes. to her, which is even more remarkable considering she was going through cancer treatments at that time. She just had learned at the tail end of the campaign she had cancer. 
And so it's a remarkable story. Such a fighter. She didn't back down. She still stood with me and, and was my greatest advocate in, in, on our reforms in the Capitol. And a testament to her that she's strong. She didn't back down from any of that. Since you mentioned it, I, I did want to bring this up. Quickly, let me say that in Wisconsin, when Governor Walker was there, uh, the his adversaries hated him so much that they really went after him and his family and people that supported him. He, you alluded to this. Uh, they raided their homes by the FBI in early morning raids. They embarrassed them in front of their neighbors. They uh, made them not. They put the. Uh, they swore them to silence. They couldn't right. even talk John about Doe, yeah. the John Doe. Tri- and I we were all the stuff before Trump. Terrible. You know, the Mueller report. Mueller report. The, all the even the attacks, the protests. We had a hundred thousand. You know, the Occupy movement didn't start on Wall Street. It started on my street, Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's true. That's how far it was were. horrible, and yet you won. I don't know. I don't know the, the the order of things, but you did win. But my question to you is: Do you not see? I don't know if you, how closely you're following what happened in January 6th and the aftermath, and the prisoners in the jail in D.C. and around the country. I follow that. I hate that, and uh, I'm so upset about it. Doing what I can to help them, but don't you see the similarities? They well, did that to you guys before they did that to the to people that were supporting President. Well, and then think about the irony is, uh, I remember Mark Thiessen wrote a report after January 6th, uh, wrote a story, a column about this about a week later, where he pointed out that people like Pelosi were for occupying capitals before they were against it. Totally. You know, and in our case, it wasn't just for a couple hours, it was for a month, and, and they they stormed the capitol, they overran the capitol police, they actually took action, they did real damage. And I think it's remarkable going into this next week. You, you've seen with the Biden's State of the Union address, they're putting up fences and barbed wire in the height of the protest. When our state capitol and grounds were occupied by 100,000 people, we never put up uh, fences like that. We never did things like that. Uh, ultimately, uh, the people, whether you agree with it or not, people have a chance to, should have a chance to be heard under a free society. And that's not what we're seeing under Biden and Pelosi and Schumer. No, it's really terrible, and you really are exhibit A of where it was going to go. Uh, but I, good I, news is we yeah. prevailed. I yes, tell you our did young prevail. people all the time with the group work I do now at Young America's Foundation, yaf.org, if people are interested, is that it may be different in scale. You know, our students on college campuses don't have 100,000 protesters, but they may have a left-wing professor and a bunch of radical students in their classroom but they can prevail just like we did. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I could talk to you forever, but I can't talk yeah. to you forever because behind you is Congressman Scott Perry. And so he's going to sit down in Great. your spot. But uh, President of America, I-, I wanted to ask you, tell me quickly, yeah. are you going to, you have to run for office again. I'm a quarter, that wasn't century, a question. quarter century younger than Joe Biden, so i got plenty of time. You got, okay. <laughs> Let me just say, as one lone voice, I hope you will. Thank you. Throw your hat in the ring in something significant. Thank you. Yeah, and when you do, we're going to do that interview and we're going to help it. you, okay? Thank you. Good okay, to be God with you. God bless you, Governor. Have a great God day. God bless you. Thank you. You too. All right, so uh, here we are live at Pete's. Where are we? We're at CF on Radio Row at the Rosen Shingles Hotel. And in front of me is... The new head of the Freedom Caucus, you heard him on the show. Hi, hi, Congressman, how are you? We're on the air right now. Okay, how are you? Good to see you. Good to see, Good to see you. you, not be on by phone. Okay. Same are you uh, so so far? You look like you like a, you look like quintessential Washington. Let me describe it: beautiful, immaculate blue suit with the flag pin and the white shirt and the red tie. I love it actually. Look, I'm a patriot. I love my country. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, so. You know, the, the, but, you know, I got that congressional pin, but this is the one that... Uh, and you're wearing the flag instead of yeah, the congressional pin. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's probably... You know, 
Uh, yeah, get close to that. That'd yes, be good. ma'am. Okay, so let me just say that you represent now the tenth district in Pennsylvania after after redistricting. Yeah. You did, yes. and you near you really had a strong challenge. That was a tough sure. last race, yeah. right? Yeah, they they've been tough. Uh, they redistricted it so that it would be tough. You know, the people that complain about all the money in politics are the ones that change the district so that there's a lot of money in politics, right? If you have a district that you can represent uh, that's pretty homogenous, like if it's all farm country, if it's all urban, you can be, it's a pretty homogenous district. So those are relatively easy to, you know, to finance and run in. It's the ones that are a little of both where nobody's happy that costs so much money. And, of course, the people that complain about money in politics make sure that they make districts like that. We need to talk uh, quickly. Uh, this, everything has to be quick. I yeah, wish sure. it. But, you know, uh, as you and those of us that are paying attention are very concerned about the upcoming election in 2024 right. as well. Right. And so we're trying to make corrections. Pennsylvania as a state is making corrections. You guys have that mail-in ballot thing that's still in dispute, right? Haven't made enough corrections to suit yeah, me. Of course, our, our Commonwealth Court found Act 77, which was the law that was put in place by Republicans to allow a, no excuse mail-in voting and and, 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 and weeks of voting prior to the election and now days after the all that stuff uh, was found unconstitutional. We need the legislature to, to repeal it. Now, of course, the governor's not going to sign that repeal, but as a person who has served in the legislature, there's always a way, a way to do things if you have the will to do things. We need our folks to have the will to do them. Speaking of that, that makes me think of, gee, uh, the Congress in uh, Washington and the defunding of the mandates. Right. Yeah, yeah. so there was a, I, I've yes. described this to my audience. They know what happened and how it was a bait and, a bait and switch and how McConnell and actually McCarthy also helped defeat the defund in that first bill. And you guys didn't have much of a chance, I don't think, in the House, but the Senate could have actually defunded those mandates. But there's a spending bill coming up. Can you tell us what's going on with yeah, that? Yeah, the, the spending bill, I think, comes up. Uh, the, the new continuing resolution expires on March 14th, so the government runs out of money. And uh, and there's going to be some deal, whether it's another continuing resolution or whether they put some portion of BBB Build Back Better together and say that's the government funding for the rest of the year. Republicans should not, first of all, if it's any of that BBB stuff, Republicans shouldn't vote for it at all. But we shouldn't vote for any of this stuff in the House or the Senate. We should not help the Democrats if, if it funds any of these mandates. It, the, you know, if you want to call it the vaccine mandate, the jab mandate, the injection mandate, we should not be funding that. Republicans should not vote for that. And we should demand, we should say we are not going to vote for it unless that's out of there. You know, um, you probably, I'm sure you know, Somebody's screaming Is down there. Safe? <laughs> yeah, so I was looking to see if there's some some attack from someone. Uh, some of us, some of us, a large group of us, were able to generate like 24 million contacts to Congress over that issue. Right. But we kind of got we got going a little slowly, I think, to get to you guys in the House. And so we're going to do everything we can to help this time. And and you know, I do think that that's the reason why we nearly prevailed in the Senate. If it hadn't been for the uh, undermining of uh, McConnell, uh, we would have actually. Uh, have defunded those mandates the house people say well you know you can't you can't stop in the house they have the numbers and i get that but but people want to know what you stand for yes and people want to know what republicans stand for so if this is something that we believe in that you shouldn't be forced to get this injection to keep your job to have your livelihood to be told by the government that you have to put the substance in your body then we should all vote no. If, if the Democrats want to pass that, then they show the country, they show their constituents, their bosses, who they are. But by voting no, the Republicans then tell the Senate, hey, 
this is where we That's are, right? right? We right. put the pressure but on them. But instead, in your caucus, I think, um, I'm guessing half, maybe 55 of the Republicans voted uh, in favor of funding the government. Right, it wasn't half, the, but it's too many. Right, it's too many. It's too many. Yeah, so, um, so I had a really good question. I left my and, head. I didn't say that you're leading the Freedom Caucus right now, and I want to go to that because okay. Freedom Caucus, uh, I have great admiration. We've been cheerleaders for a long time. Well, thank you for, for you that. guys. And uh, you guys, by the way, cheerleaded that effort to stop the funding in the, in the House. Yes, and you did. sent a letter to your right. Senate comrades. Comrades, I better not use that with Russia on the march. Your Senate <laughs> compatriots. Um, and so you guys really worked hard to do that, and I thank you for that. All right, so tell me what's happening with the Freedom Caucus now. Condition of it. I know you can't tell, tell me the exact size sure, for various sure. reasons, but the shape of it and what it looks like in terms of the election coming up and gathering more support. Because so these we, are the rock. These are our people. Well, these are Congress. the people. This, we call ourselves the conscience of the Republican Party or of the conference. We actually not only say these things, but we believe in them. Yes. And so we do these things and we demand it of our colleagues to do what they said, what we all said. So that's that's who we are. We're going to lose some members because their retirements. Uh, Louis Gomez running for Man. Attorney General. Uh, Mo Brooks is running for the United States Senate. We have those things, so we want to replace those members. Obviously, Ted Budd running from the Senate, and and we want to grow our ranks. We are alive and well, and we are preparing for a majority. And we just know from our last experience in the majority, we had told the American people we would do this if you elect us, and then we refused to do it. Right. We can't be in that position again. And so the Freedom Caucus, again, is the conscience of the, co- of the conference is, is going to be right there to say, we told the American people we would secure the border. Let's have a vote on that. We told the American people that we would fund our police, and, and, and let's, vote on, let's vote on that. We told the American people we're not going to bankrupt our nation. Let's, let's have votes on that. So whatever we tell the American people, if you elect us, we will do these things. We're going to be there saying we're, we're going to vote for them and we're going to put up, we're going to make it a circumstance where our party our, and the Congress itself has an opportunity to say yes or no. So we know who's with us and who's not. Yes. Yeah, so let me explain further something because I, I kind of hammer this out, but I want to hammer it with you. And that is that the uh, and I, I know that I recognize their relationships you have to consider before you say things, but I can say things. So let me just say the establishment Republicans in the House, led by Kevin McCarthy, are not helping rock rib conservatives get elected. In fact, they're working against them. They're spotting their own candidates. Sometimes the two agree, but most of the time I think they don't agree on candidates. And in the primary, you actually have some... I think I hear... I'm sorry. I was trying to hear the... You guys hold the, hold the break for about five minutes, if you would. Um, you are not being funded. The, the money is going to people that will do what the establishment Republicans want to do. So you guys have your own fund. Right. Uh, and so my point is going to be that if you are looking, people listening, if you're looking to help in this next election and you have the money to give, give to Freedom Fund. You're absolutely right. So uh, thank you. Thank you for, for bringing that up. Look, all candidates, you watch TV. You've you got busy lives. you got kids in school. You're trying to keep your home. You're trying to keep your job. There's a lot going on. And so it's hard to do all this research, right? And you, if you see an ad on TV, this every candidate, every Republican says, I'm the true Republican conservative they candidate. They all say that. I'm family, pro-life. I'm pro, oh, they do I'm, nothing about it, but they say yeah, but Exactly. So how do you know the difference? We have a process. We do know the difference. And we cut the wheat from the chaff. We know which, which members are going to be Freedom Caucus members. And the Freedom Caucus members are the ones that will actually do. That's right. And, and, and so people say, well, I give to this organization. I give to that, uh, the, that 
that, that group because I think they do great things. If you want to, look, I'm a military guy. You know this, right? Yeah, I didn't so, say that, but I thank you for so. Re- so if you want to put rounds on the target, if you if you as an individual, if you want the, your hard earned money to to go to electing true conservatives that are going to do what they said they were going to do. Freedom Fund, House Freedom yeah, Fund, absolutely. and House Freedom Action. It absolutely. goes right to the candidates. Yep, great. And do you have some great candidates that you're excited about? We do about? have great candidates. Yep, okay. we absolutely do. All right, do. very good. Uh, Congressman, behind you, <laughs> my yes. next guest. It keeps this coming. Is, it's good really for you. Cool. Yeah. yeah, no, uh, and you guys can go ahead and start that break music if you would. Um, so we're going to work on defunding the mandates, yes. uh, saving the world. Yes. Oh, my gosh, I wanted to talk to you about the fence being built yes. around the Capitol. Unacceptable, and all yeah. But we, we appreciate what you do. If you yeah. weren't out there telling people all this stuff they wouldn't know. So God bless you. Thanks for the opportunity. Keep your chin up because you know you got some folks in there swinging for you. Yeah, I do. I do know that. And you've got some people that have your back. Thank you you very much for that. Okay, so we're partners. God bless you, Congressman. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, you're in for a treat. Uh, We talked to him last year, but um, he is from Japan. uh, And we'll be talking through an interpreter. But I love speaking to him. And so I wanted you to hear from him again uh, today. Sorry. It's uh, This is Sandy Rios, and you're listening to CPAC Live from Radio Road 2022. I'll be right back. It's dangerous to take God's glory for granted. This week on Truth For Life, we'll hear about the devastating results when Israel put their faith in the Ark of God as a lucky charm rather than in the living God himself. Study along with us on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Truth For Life, weekday mornings at 1130 Central on AFR and online at AFR.net. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Forty days of twice-daily taunting from Goliath sent Saul and the Israelite army reeling in fear. But David's passion for Yahweh, conviction, and full persuasion stirred King Saul. When people are on fire for God, it often provokes others to glob onto that fire but we must be careful to resist the well-meaning overtures of the flameless bystanders. Saul meant well, but his armor couldn't help. It would only slow David down. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Raising Godly Boys with Mark Hancock. Ever wonder why your son can spot the elusive bad guy on his video game but doesn't seem to notice the dust collecting on his dresser? 
Well, there's actually a biological reason for that. When compared to girls, boys have more rods than cones in their eyes. This makes boys more sensitive to movement and more likely to focus on things farther away. The difference makes sense historically. Men have traditionally been hunters and protectors, needing to see danger from far away. So while it's good to make sure your son knows how to clean, don't forget that he needs freedom to be a boy. Encourage him to play outside, bird watch, or try archery. His God-given instincts will thank you. For more ideas on raising boys to be godly men, visit Trail F USA or RaisingGodlyBoys.com. Free help in raising godly boys is at RaisingGodlyBoys.com. 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 This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Decapitation is a graphic way of describing the evident object of Vladimir Putin's intensifying invasion of Ukraine. Unfortunately, if this despot can get away with not only eliminating an elected government of one of Russia's neighbors, but presumably installing one to his liking there, other enemies of freedom will surely be emboldened to do the same. Former President Trump warns that Russia's twin sister, communist China, will be next to act on Beijing's long-standing ambition to extend its enslaving misrule to Taiwan. The question now is, can such calculations, whether by the Chinese Communist Party or other thugs allied with Russia and China, still be influenced? That will depend in part on whether endangered governments are convinced that they will be better supported than we have those of Afghanistan and now Ukraine, or whether they should simply surrender preemptively to freedom's enemies. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you uh, live on Radio Row at CPAC. And um, last year, we ha- I really enjoyed this. I interviewed uh, Jay Aiba from Japan. He's uh, the head of the Japanese uh, conservative union over there. Uh, and he is a commentator and writer in the country of Japan. I was in Japan for three weeks a number of years ago when I was a singer doing a concert tour, and I fell in love with Japan and with its people and its food and its chocolate, especially Meiji chocolate. I gained five pounds. I've not. <laughs> and so um, I asked Jay to come back this morning because I really enjoyed talking to him, especially with what's going on in the world. Does he want me to pause between my take take a break or just keep talking? Which better? I better slow down and I'll do it phrase by I'll do it uh, like a paragraph and then stop and let you translate. Or can you talk continually with me? Uh, <clears throat> what now? Okay, I'll do okay. Sorry, I talk fast anyway. All right, so we are all watching what's happening, uh, and because of where Japan is located, I am just confident. Uh, it's a frightening time. You know, we see China flying over Taiwan. But honestly, we're not hearing much about Japan and their response. So I would like to ask first, what does this mean to Japan? Well, how are the Japanese feeling as they're watching this? あ、あの、朝っぱらから非常にこう目の覚める質問本当にありがとうございます。Well, thank you first for this eye-opening question to help me wake up in the morning. Yeah. あの、ご存知のおっしゃる通りで、この日本は 
隣の台湾をいろいろな角度から中国に侵略されている、まあ、非常に注目している国民も多くありますので今、日本人のいわゆる反中感情これは非常に高まってきています。So, just as you said,、um, Sandy, Taiwan is really being attacked at many different angles right now by China.、Um, it's a serious problem, and people in the US and Japan are very concerned.、Um, in fact, in Japan,、uh, the general public is becoming very anti CCP, anti the Chinese government, because of this.、Uh, they haven't, they weren't before? あのー、一つショッキングな出来事としてはもうご存知のように香港での人権弾圧これを日本人もまざまざばと見ましてこういうふうになってはいけないという感情がだんだん大きくなりつつあるのは確かです。So I think the demonstrations and the takeover of Hong Kong was the biggest eye opener for the Japanese people since Tiananmen Square.、Um, that really made the Japanese people wake up and say that we can't let this happen. To Taiwan or to Japan in the future. This whole situation conjures up so many memories for all of us about World War II, about the nature of Russia, the fact that Japan cannot arm itself,、um, just a conflagration, sorry, translate that word, just a, a combination. Of all kinds of emotions and memories.、Um, so that's a statement. My question, you want to, then you want to translate that and then I'll ask the question. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Japan is in the same situation yeah, that,、mm-hmm. um, well, we're not being invaded like Ukraine is, but we certainly feel the threat of, of foreign foes right now. Ha- remind me, Japan going way back, and you both, Japan and China, have such long histories. You've been rivals for years. I mean, this is, right? Or have you, has it been a friendly relationship in the current modern time?、Um, <laughs> 世論調査を取ると日本人の大体7割は中国に対して好意的な感情を抱いていましたしかし89年の天安門が起きてから日本人の中国に対する好意的な感情は 50% まで低下しました去年取った世論調査ではもう 89.7% が中国は嫌いだとこういう状況になっています so,、um... Before the Tiananmen Square massacre in 89, Japan actually had a very favorable opinion of China.、Um, it was around 70% of the Japanese population viewed China in a positive light.、Um, after Tiananmen Square, that dropped to about 
And just last year, there was another uh, poll done in Japan that found 89.7%. So nine, 9 out of 10 Japanese have an unfavorable opinion towards China. That's even higher than the U.S. I would say same thing in the United States. Because of trade, free trade, and all the money exchanged, and all the products, and the interplay of business and the travel, people have forgotten how dangerous communism and the Communist Party. But they, they were not silent. They were still busy. We just chose not to think about it. Our leaders ignored it, and the people didn't know it. イエスイエスおっしゃる通りでこの国民感情は今この非常に反中感情高まってるんですがビジネスの面ではまだどうしても大人の国で非常に人口も多いからまだ儲けができると思って日本でも一万三千社ぐらいの会社が中国と取引を
このアメリカ、イギリス、フランスが中心となって発行しているいわゆる核,核産条約これに加入しているのでまずはアメリカやイギリスやフランス少なくともこの3カ国の世論政治的な調整として彼らの合意を取り付ける必要があるわけです。So, if Japan was to say,、um, pursue possessing a nuclear weapon for defensive purposes, there's obviously a lot of barriers to that as well, even though it would be a very good deterrent.、Um, with the nuclear nonproliferation agreement,、um, countries that didn't have a nuclear arm in the past can't develop one now. So, if Japan was going to seek doing that, we would need the support of the US,、um, England, and France at the very least. We have a, a deeper problem. I'm wondering if you share it. Because,、um, because of our culture and because of peace for so long and prosperity,、uh, a lot of our、uh, men who,、uh, in the past, American men knew how to fight, knew how to defend. We have a whole generation of men who, except there are exceptions, of course, who don't, they're not、uh, manly in the sense that was the, with the way we used to view it, able to fight, able to protect their families. Do you have the same thing in Japan? Or are young men still aspiring to, man, to traditional manhood? その国を守ってくれるその存在である自衛隊への入隊、希望者というのは年々減っているこんな状況です。So we definitely have the, a similar problem in Japan.、Um, the, the number of enrollments in Jap, Japan's self-defense force, their quasi-military, is certainly a lot lower in Japan. There's not the same patriotic fervor to join the military in Japan like there is in the U.S. What is something that you would want Americans to hear or know about Japan? You just have a very short time to respond that I haven't asked you quickly. Trump 政権の時のように、ただ日本を押さえつけようとするのではなくて、日本にも自立を、より一層の自立を促して、対等な関係として、パートナーとしてやっていこうとする。So the, so the US needs to view Japan as a partner, not as a, a subordinate、um, neighboring country. It needs to work with Japan to counter China and to counter authoritarianism、um, to protect freedom around the world. Wouldn't that be nice? I agree with you. Jay Aiba, it's a pleasure. It's such a pleasure. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast. May not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.